Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, feeling more humbug than holly jolly this holiday? You're not alone. Comfort, hope, and healing to lift the spirits of those who are struggling at St. Andrew's Blue Christmas Service this week. We have details. Also this morning, a survey back in August found half of all nurses had considered leaving the profession over burnout and stress, and many have in the months since. How to keep those essential frontline workers on the job and recruit a new generation to care for us in the future. And it's high school hockey with a twist. The Finley Trojans skate against rival Bowling Green outdoors under the lights to kick off Winterfest at Fifth Third Field in Toledo tonight. We'll get a preview. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Monday, December 20th, 2021. Last day of autumn today. Uh, Tomorrow, the winter solstice and uh, winter officially arrives at 1059 tomorrow morning. So enjoy this last 24 hours, 24, 25, 26 hours, something like that of of, uh, autumn. I can tell that uh, winter is actually almost here, though. I can tell that winter is, for all intents and purposes, uh, winter is already here because uh, I've already shocked myself like three times this morning. You get that dry air and the static buildup. I've already shocked myself three times. Um, It is cathode ray tube day, CRT day. Yes, kids, before the invention of flat screens and televisions we could hang on our walls, we had these big cathode ray tube TVs. The Iconoscope Television, patented by Vladimir Zworkin. On this date in 1938, so today is cathode ray tube day, CRT day. It is dot your eyes day, games day, go caroling day. When was the last time you went Christmas caroling? I haven't done that for years. International Human Solidarity Day. It is mud day. (laughs) I don't know why, it just says it's mud day. National Sangria Day. And it is Sacagawea Day today as well. So, reasons to celebrate on this uh, 20th day of December. Here is the latest. Now we're running out of candy canes. Did you hear this? We apparently have a shortage of candy canes. This is a real thing. Uh, Just in time for the holidays. A store called Economy Candy, New York City. That specializes in candy canes. (laughs) Only in New York City could you have an entire store specializing in candy canes. In most places, that would be far too specialized to actually be a viable business interest. But this place has been around since 1937. Uh, Economy Candy specializes in candy canes, and they have run out of stock for the very first time in their existence. And again, they date back all the way to 1937. They say a shortfall in peppermint production is to blame. And it's not just candy canes. By extension, it is affecting the production of gingerbread houses. And it says here even the nation's supply of Christmas tree ornaments. So, all because shortage of uh, candy canes, because of production problems in the peppermint industry man what is this world coming to i'll tell you what though this christmas um we do have the uh, chance to uh, see something really special stargazers 
will get maybe the best gift of all as the brightest comet of 2021 moves through the evening sky. Uh, and apparently this will be a Christmas day or a Christmas evening will be the best time to see it. Comet C-2021A1, more commonly referred to as the Comet Leonard, was discovered earlier this year and made its closest approach to Earth on December 12th. Uh, before its approach, it was visible only in the early morning sky, but its journey has now made it more prominent in the evening sky. The Christmas Comet will appear throughout the rest of the year, but you should look for it sooner rather than later as it will become dimmer and dimmer heading into the final days of the month, it says here. I don't know. Do you call it the Christmas Comet? I, I don't know if that name will stick because they say the coming nights will be the only chance to see the Comet Leonard as it will not swing past Earth again for another 80,000 years. So, if you don't happen to see it here in the next couple of days, forget about it. Never going to happen again in any of our lifetimes. Uh, The comet should be visible with a backyard telescope or binoculars and may be visible to the naked eye under very clear and dark observing conditions. He said... uh, Gordon Johnson, who's a uh, NASA scientist, said it will look like a fuzzy green star with a small tail. So, won't be able to see it again for another 80,000 years. So, get out there and and, uh, take a look at that. Kind of a little uh, extra celestial Christmas gift. With Christmas, now less than a week away, where is the... Most Christmassy place in America. Um, A new report finds that New Hampshire is the state with the most Christmas spirit of any place in the nation. According to the uh, according to the Internet activity of people in New Hampshire, Internet provider CenturyLink scanned each state crunch the data to find out what we've been looking for online and no they weren't trying to <laughs> they weren't trying to embarrass us with our uh, weird searches what they were looking for were uh, results of christmas related searches uh, which state performed those christmas related searches everything from christmas houses and elf on the shelf to wrapping paper as well as requests for streaming holiday music and movies And New Hampshire was number one for the most seasonal searches online. Maine placed second. Montana was third. And Kentucky and Connecticut round out the top five. The bottom of the rankings at the very bottom of the list. The state in the least Christmas spirit. Mississippi, along with New York and Washington, D.C., for purposes of this. I know Washington, D.C. is not a really a state, but for purposes of this, they included that in the list. So those were the bottom three. Mississippi, New York, and Washington, D.C. are the uh, Ebenezer Scrooges of the states. Uh, and actually, I, I did that wrong. Washington was actually dead last. And it was the second year in a row that they were dead last on this list, by the way. Not a big surprise 
probably for a lot of people. A couple of other uh, interesting and buzzworthy stories to start off your Monday morning. You know, most people get the holidays in December off, but workers in certain industries need to stay on the clock on what the rest of us would consider a typical day off. All too often, companies assign holiday work days to people who are single and or don't have children under the assumption that they need less time off than their peers who are married and or parents. Uh, social scientists Bella DePaulo, social scientist Bella DePaulo, uh, calls the stigmatizing of and discrimination against people who are single singleism. Singleism. This is a report in the uh, Huffington Post I thought was kind of interesting. It said single people who have single people have people who matter to them and commitments and interests and passions that matter to them, and all of that should be re- uh, should be relevant. Uh, The workplace should be about work. Everything should even out. How often you get to leave early, whether you have to come in on the holidays, you get your choice of vacation times and so on, such that over time, every worker is treated the same and marital status or parental status do not matter at all. So think about that. If you are in one of those businesses where you have to have people on the clock, round the clock, 24-7, 365, days a year is it the single people or the childless people who always get scheduled to work on the holidays thinking well they don't have family you can think they can work hmm uh some suggest workplaces should offer incentives for workers to volunteer to take holiday shifts while others said companies should put holiday shifts up for grabs as there are definitely folks who actually prefer to work those shifts for a variety of reasons Maybe it's the extra holiday pay or what have you. Uh, And then any remaining gaps that need to be filled should be filled via some type of rotating schedule or by putting uh, by pulling worker names out of a hat just at random. But uh, just to assume that if somebody is single or doesn't have children that they won't mind working uh, on Christmas is not really fair. I would have to agree with that. I I think that's uh, probably Something that you might want to keep in mind as we come up on the holidays and you work in a business like that. Thought it was kind of an interesting report. And how about this? Um, This relates to a story that made big news over the past. Was that this year or was it last year? The removal of the uh, Robert E. Lee statue in Virginia that I can't even remember. It's been. I maybe it was in 2020, but. Everybody was still buzzing about it in 2021. Anyway, you remember the story. Uh, They took down the uh, statue of Robert E. Lee in Virginia, and there was supposed to be a time capsule hidden in it, but they couldn't find it. Um, 1887 time capsule that reportedly uh, was embedded in the base of the statue of Robert E. Lee in Virginia. But when it uh, when it didn't turn up, when they took the statue down, they feared that it was lost or maybe it was an urban legend. Well, Friday, this past Friday, they found what they believe to be the time capsule. It was in the uh, tower uh, base of the of the monument. It says here the process to excavate and examine the time capsule will take a few days. Because they have to go in and get it. They don't want to damage it. It appears to be undamaged at this point. Uh, 
Governor Ralph Northam's uh, office uh, said on Friday they may have found their holy grail, as it were, the time capsule that they thought had been lost or missing from the uh, base of the Robert E. Lee statue. So kind of interesting, a follow-up uh, to that. It'd be interesting to see what, uh, reportedly, it has a uh, photo of uh, President Lincoln lying in his coffin. That's, that's what I've heard. So, but that's that's a rumor. But I guess we'll find out here in a few days when they excavate it. They open it up. We'll see what it contains. Kind of interesting stuff. Some of the uh, most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Monday morning started. WFIN News. I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather. Plenty of sunshine expected today with a high of 42. Partly cloudy tonight, a low of 27. The Finley Police Department says two people are facing charges after a fight at Brew U on North Main Street. Officers went to the bar Sunday morning for a fight in progress. Officers located two victims with significant injuries to their head and face, and they were taken to Blanchard Valley Hospital. The police department says two people were taken into custody at the scene. They were booked at the Hancock County Jail on charges of felonious assault and assault. Get more on our website. Medical experts joined leaders from the Ohio Department of Health to stress how much staffing remains a critical issue in the healthcare industry as COVID cases continue to surge. They're calling it crisis in care. Doctors say that's why it's more important than ever to get vaccinated. Staff is is really the thing that's keeping us up at night. You know, this is the fourth deployment for a lot of people. I understand they're tired. But also healthcare workers are also going out or they're having to take care of their own family members. Doctors are warning of a possible surge. That's because of the holidays coming up, which means people are more likely to gather in large groups. ONN's Tracy Townsend reporting Governor DeWine has mobilized more than 1,000 members of the Ohio National Guard to help relieve the hospital staffing strain caused by the rising number of hospitalized COVID-19 patients. Local police officers took a lot of kids Christmas shopping over the weekend. Finley Police Sergeant David Hill says the event means as much to them as it does to the kids. It's great because you, you get that little timid child at first, and then by the by the end, you know, you, your best friends, you guys are smiling together, laughing. He says this is the 20th year Finley police officers have taken kids shopping for Christmas. This year was the first year for cops and kids go shopping as it replaced Shop with a Cop. Get more on that change on our website. The Finley Airport will be getting some money from the recently passed $1 trillion infrastructure bill. The bill allocates around $254 million in federal funding for airports across Ohio. And the Finley Airport will be receiving a $295,000 federal grant. The money could go towards runway or taxiway improvements and possibly terminal upgrades as well. Get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. Everybody is familiar with the uh, Elvis Standard Blue Christmas. And it is really true. There are those who uh, feel more uh, humbug than holly jolly during the holiday season. And if that is you, you are not alone. Uh, But there is uh, some comfort, hope, and healing to be found to lift the spirits of those who are struggling at St. Andrew's Blue Christmas Service this week. And joining us uh, from St. Andrew's is Pastor uh, Jeff Motter, along with Amber Wolfram from the uh, Family Resource Center. And uh, actually, Amber, I want to start with you. This is not uh, uncommon, and it is not necessarily anything to be uh, ashamed of or, you know, say, what's wrong with me? I'm just not in the... Think of the uh, Charlie Brown Christmas special where Charlie Brown says, is there something wrong with me? Yeah, No, I mean, if you think about it, first off, let's remember we're in Ohio, 
and it gets darker sooner and sure. during this time of year. It gets yeah. colder. We get a little more isolated. So you have that going on. Mm-hmm. You also have the unfortunate commercialism that's been kind of wrapped into, which commercialism equals money. Right. Um, so there's a lot of different factors that play into the holidays, uh, along with the fact that holidays are based on often memories and traditions and rituals and rites. And so when we have an interruption to those things, mm-hmm. whether due to personal illness or change in job or change in location or the loss of a loved one, it can affect how we, quote, celebrate something like a holiday. Right. And so it's important to remember that as long as you're, you're um, being healthy about your choices, you can't do it wrong. Um, so there's no right or wrong way to celebrate the holidays, but there is a way to make sure that you are um, taking care of yourself in a way that's holistic. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the Blue Christmas Ceremony is just a way for those that don't want to sing Deck the Halls or sing Joy to the World, but want to be around individuals that are feeling the same way, but still have fellowship and still have a chance to be together um, and be honored with just how, how you're feeling and how you are today. Mm-hmm. Jeff, I would imagine that uh, one of the things you're going to focus on, as churches do this time of year, is the larger message of the season. Uh, absolutely. Um, I was thinking about the Gospels. The, the Gospel of John begins with a, a statement that says, um, "Light, uh, the light overcomes the darkness. Mm-hmm. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. Mm-hmm. And Blue Christmas recognizes that for some people this is a time that feels more dark. Uh, for a, the variety of reasons that Amber mentioned, yeah. um, relationship struggles happen as well. Um, there, there are all these pressures to have the perfect holiday, yeah. and and we should do it the way Grandma wanted us to do it, and and all those kinds of pressures, which may or may not be healthy, mm-hmm. may or may not be helpful, and and lead to all kinds of mixed emotions for people. So, with the Blue Christmas service, we will lift all those things up. We'll meet. We'll try to meet people where they are engage them in their sadness or skepticism or or whatever it is they're experiencing Mm -hmm. and offer some opportunity for prayer and meditation and some acts of worship. Um, But do it in a quieter, more relaxed tone and offer individual prayer or somebody to listen if that's what they need mm-hmm. in the moment yeah it's interesting you you bring up uh whatever you know meeting people where they are whatever it is that has them feeling that way and and you know this is an issue for some every uh christmas right. um especially right now yeah. with so many things have been upended and now we're hearing in the news that this again may right. not be I mean, this may be another covid christmas here mm-hmm. we go again um so i would imagine that uh, again there are any number of reasons why people may feel that way and they may be different than what you've had in the past oh, oh yes certainly certainly some of them will be the same with with grief and losing loved ones but but there are so many people who've been touched by COVID, whether it's their job was affected sure. or a family member was ill, and maybe they recovered, but maybe not fully recovered. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they lost a loved one, and because of the situation with COVID, they were never able to have a service that in sense their of honor closure. to get, yeah. bring them a sense of, mm-hmm. well, closure, but also moving into the healing process. Right. So they've sort of been suspended. Um, waiting for some sign that it's okay to move forward. And mm-hmm. and so maybe Blue Christmas will be that for people. But COVID has created a lot of stress yeah. for people, just the stress in general. Yeah. yeah. Um, obviously, this is a uh, 
a great way to reconcile the true meaning of the season with everything that Amber, as we were talking about, that goes along with it in our modern society. This is not necessarily going to be the be-all and end-all or the cure-all for those who are struggling. What can those individuals do? And more importantly, maybe the family members and friends of someone who is struggling do to help people through this. Well, and that's one of the reasons um, St. Andrews has been wonderful. We're going to have materials there for each family that attends. There'll be a book about holiday grief and loss. Mm -hmm. Um, There is also going to be a small token to take home to keep a remembrance of. It's okay to to be where we are today. Mm -hmm. Um, But inside that little book, there's going to be information. There's going to be a little sticker about, hey, if, you know, we feel this way for too long, you know, just reach out here in Hancock County. We're very fortunate. We have many resources, whether it be with Family Resource Center or a private counselor. Um, we have support groups. I, If people don't know where to start, I always say, call me. <laughs> call mm-hmm. me, email me, reach out. Um, but and also in Hancock County, we have a crisis hotline. So it's, it's one of those things. It's like, um, it's okay to not feel okay for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also need to know that when we need help, it's okay to reach out. That is uh, that is part of the difficulty because, uh, you know, it may be just the holiday blues or the mm-hmm. winter blues. As you mentioned, it's interesting that the uh, the Blue Christmas service is tomorrow because it's actually the longest day the of the year. Yeah, the, the, the longest, shortest longest day, night of the day. Yeah, the yeah. shortest uh, daylight right. uh, of the year with right. the winter solstice right. tomorrow. Um, but, uh, you know, so it may be that or it mm-hmm. may be something that is more in delineating the difference can be a challenge. Really, the difference is how is it impacting your everyday life? Yeah. Yeah. When things become a challenge to get up, to want to go to work, to want to help get the kids around, to get, when it just feels like the world, you're, I, talk, I, I describe it like you're walking around with like heavy, wet clothes. Mm-hmm. You just, every yeah. movement is an effort. When those kind of things are happening, then it's time. It's time to reach out. And I also, again, we talk about not only those who are struggling, but friends and family yes, members of those who are struggling. Because uh, I would imagine that there is a temptation if uh, to exclude someone mm-hmm. from a holiday gathering or a holiday event, thinking that they're not up to it or we don't want to say the wrong thing. But that just further isolates that person. Right. There's a it was an interesting meme going around in the middle of COVID about the fact that um, loneliness is not basically being alone. You could have a, a thousand people around you. Loneliness is believing that nobody cares, mm. that you could be in a room full of people and nobody cares how you're feeling or how you're thinking. And so it doesn't take an army. It takes one or two people who you feel like you can reach out to and speak with. And if we don't have that quote naturally, right, natural supports, if we don't have that, then we have in our community places like Focus on Friends um, that you can just drop into and say, I am struggling or I need to speak to someone. Um, And we're fortunate in our community. If you're a veteran, we have wonderful veteran services. If, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're, you come to us. You tell us what you need. You tell us what you're, you know, we, we help you find your strengths. We are, we are fortunate. We are very fortunate. We, have, we just uh, have to get you connected. And, and it doesn't necessarily mean, I want to throw this out there. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're uh, committed to nope. a six month or a year long program or anything. It may be just a one, one off kind of thing. Right. Everyone is in different places. Right. We just need to see where we starting from and where would you like to go? Mm-hmm. And that's the biggest thing. And I, I, 
do tell people, especially with seasonal affective disorder, after tomorrow, we start gaining almost a minute of daylight. And it's hard to <laughs> believe. going in the right direction. Right. But looking again, looking for that light, looking for that forward movement, yeah. we are, we're on that. We're on the rise. And speaking of looking for the light, the uh, Blue Christmas service is tomorrow at St. Andrews. Tomorrow right? evening, Tuesday the 21st at 630 okay. uh, in our main sanctuary. You can find us at 120 West Sandusky Street. And we have entrances on Sandusky side and on the Crawford Street side of our building. And we'll have smiling faces there to greet you and welcome you and help you feel comfortable and engage in the service in whatever way you feel led to do. And uh, Amber, as you mentioned, you're going to uh, have folks there as well who can provide some extra uh, information for those who may be interested. Yeah, and every family that walks out, there'll be a book um, that will have information on the inside. So it's like if you walk away from there and you think, wow, that felt lifting. And now as I walk out, oh, I don't know. Call the yeah. phone number inside. Yeah. Again, uh, Amber Wolfram from the uh, Family Resource Centers and uh, Pastor Jeff Motter, St. Andrews United Methodist Church. Their Blue Christmas service is happening tomorrow. We do have more information on it at our webpage. Go to goodmornings.net for that. Guys, thanks very much for dropping by. We appreciate it. Thank you for having us. Well, this morning we want to circle back and talk in a little more detail about a topic that came up in our discussion last week about hospital capacity issues in the midst of another COVID surge and what could happen if there were an emergency or large-scale disaster to put even more strain on the system. Perhaps no group is being impacted more by the stress of it all than America's nurses. More and more, they are leaving their jobs, citing heavy workloads, long hours, stress, exhaustion, both physical and emotional. Kathleen Belmonte is a chief nursing officer and senior vice president of nursing and clinical services for Phoenicia's Kidney Care. And Kathleen, there is a survey from the American Nurses Foundation back in August where half, half said that they were considering leaving the profession and increasingly they are following through. But you say this is a problem that has been simmering for a long time. The pandemic may have brought this to a boil, but it has, to use a medical term, this is a pre-existing condition. Yeah, and I couldn't agree more. Um, that that article you reference, um, 100%, nurses are under a lot more stress right now, right? They have been and are, continue to be the backbone of the healthcare delivery system, and they truly have been the heroes, the heroes of the pandemic. Um, they rise to the challenge every day and continue to provide care while under enormous pressure. So you, you talked about those hospital systems at capacity. Our nurses are caring for patients in those hospital systems throughout this entire pandemic. And these patients are very sick. These patients are dying. Um, and, and I think what we're hearing from our nurses, or at least in the nephrology space, I work at Fresenius Kidney Care, as you said, we're hearing our nurses are feeling stressed. They're exhausted. They're burnt out. And we know that a consequence of that is that the nurses are going to leave the field and they're going to leave the field when we already have a nursing staffing shortage now. So how did we get here? Uh, Like we said, this has been building for quite some time. The pandemic may have kind of pushed many nurses over the edge. But how did we get here? How do we allow uh, ourselves to get here? If you were to look at nursing pre-pandemic, there was already a concern as to whether the profession was going to be able to attract enough nursing, enough nurses or people going into nursing programs Mm -hmm. to care for the aging population. So we already knew that pre pandemic. Well, 
Fast forward to the COVID-19 pandemic that has been here way longer than any of us want, and it's placed even more pressure on the healthcare system and our nurses. So we've amplified what we knew was already a, a, a nursing shortage situation, the ability to attract more people into nursing, the ability of the university programs to support nursing and training nurses. Um, and, we've, and we've layered on this incredible stress that makes these nurses who are maybe close to retirement think about, hey, now's the time for me to leave the nursing space or, yeah. you know, I'm overwhelmed, I'm stressed. And so a lot of the burnout is also contributing to more nurses' desire to transition out of the space as well. Which all just exacerbates the problem. Now, uh, so it's kind of a vicious circle. I want to uh, focus on a couple of points there. First of all, what can... Uh, healthcare systems and and companies and so on do to support those nurses who are experiencing this burnout to maybe keep them from walking away from the profession. So, Chris, this is something we talk about a lot at Fresenius. So, we have, for example, implemented. I think we know from a compensation package perspective, implementing things like emergency pay for our frontline healthcare workers, childcare and elder care stipends to help them be able to um, be able to provide care on the front line and know that their own families are also being cared for at home. So compensation and that pay package is a big part of it. But what we have found in the last couple of years is that it is more than that. We are looking at new benefits and healthcare options to promote wellness. Our nurses are telling us we are burnt out, we are emotionally exhausted, and we can't go on. So thinking about resources that focus on balancing work and life, building resilience to be able to continue to give yourself, give of yourself and care for patients, and supporting a healthy person. We believe that mental health is equally as important as physical health. And so making programs available to help our nurses be able to better manage stress and find balance is incredibly important as we move forward. And then secondly, the other part of that, as you were touching on, is uh, efforts to recruit new nurses into the profession. Again, this was a challenge pre-pandemic, but hearing all these stories of what these nurses have been going through is uh, certainly cannot be helpful in terms of recruiting uh, new people to fill the shoes, uh, of uh, to, to fill those roles that are needed. Yeah, I agree. It is a challenge. So making sure people understand how awesome nursing is. I know I'm a nurse, so I have my own preferences, but there are not a lot of jobs where you go home at the end of the day, Chris, and you feel like you've made a difference. You know you have touched and impacted someone's life in a meaningful way. Nursing challenges you to be better, and it's never boring. So we have worked on developing university relationships partnerships to be able to expand access to nurses and training, to talk to people about the beauty of a nursing career, and to also introduce them to nephrology nursing. Here, I work in the kidney care space, and we want to excite people about being introduced to nephrology nursing earlier in their nurse programs. Tuition reimbursement, you know, competitive college reimbursement programs are a big part of this, this um, university relations program as well. And then other things like forging strategic partnerships in the industry. So the American Nephrology Nurses Association, we partner with them to raise awareness, not just about nursing, but nephrology nursing. And so making sure that we are staying ahead of it, talking to people who express an interest and a calling into nursing, 
and helping to make sure we are supporting that and nurse residency program and professional development programs is very, very important as well. Now, I have something here in my notes uh, about the Nursing Licensure Compact. This is actually something that was created more than two decades ago. How does that relate to the nursing shortage that we are seeing right now? Yeah, and this is very important. So thank you for this question. So you're right, the Nursing Licensure Compact was created about two decades ago. Currently across the United States, 39 states participate in the Nurse Licensure Compact. And that also includes the state of Ohio. And um, what it does is compact, the Nurse Licensure Compact allows nurses who are board certified, who are already board certified in practicing to get temporary licenses in states that participate in the compact. So for example, in Um, I'm board certified in Massachusetts. I live in the Boston area. Ohio participates in the nurse licensure compact. In situations where there is a severe staffing shortage in Ohio or other states that participate in the compact, we're able to move a nurse from a state like Massachusetts. So Mm. Kathleen could move to Ohio for a temporary basis and could provide hands-on support to providing patient care. Mm. This is incredibly important when you look at the staffing shortage around the country and being able to mobilize a scarce resource to be able to continue to keep patients well, to provide dialysis treatments in my instance, um, but to be able to be present. So doing lots of work to educate our legislature around what this is. But ultimately, a temporary fix for a problem that goes far beyond, uh, again, looking into the generations ahead. Kathleen Belmonte, again, uh, Chief Nursing Officer, Senior Vice President of Nursing and Clinical Services for Frenetius Kidney Care. Where do we get more information on all of this? Yes. So I'm partnering with a nonprofit foundation called Women in Government. They have put together some really great resources on this issue. Um, and have stood up a web page. So head over to womaningovernment.org. That's woman with an E, in government.org, all one word. You will see that there are some really terrific landing pages that will provide some information um, about exactly what we've talked about today, Chris. Kathleen, thanks very much for taking the time and your insight. We appreciate it. Thanks, Chris. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. They say it's the thought that counts, and maybe the uh, parents of this young man uh, will uh, want to keep that in mind. (laughs) In Ontario, Canada, a five-year-old, five-year-old boy hijacked his parents' car and crashed it into a hayfield. The provincial police in Ontario say they got a call from a neighbor on Monday morning, this past Monday morning, saying that the car was on his property, on his hayfield. When police arrived, they found a five-year-old behind the wheel. He told them that he was trying to go to the store to buy a Christmas gift for his little sister. (laughs) Fortunately... The child was not injured in the crash, and the car only had minor damage. Police confirmed that the parents are not facing any charges. I don't know if his sister got a, got her little pink tractor that she was wanting for Christmas, but... <laughs> it's the thought that counts, I guess. Speaking of Christmas-themed stories... 
one also from uh, Canada. Woman in British Columbia says her Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer decoration in her front yard uh, must have been an irresistible target for an aggressive local deer. (laughs) This deer knows an imposter when he sees one. Arlene Chemlick of Fort Nelson, British Columbia, says her family uh, repurposed a 3D archery target into a Rudolph the Red-Nosed Whitetail <laughs> about five years ago. And they quickly learned uh, that at least one local deer disliked the lawn ornament. Uh, Ms. Chemlick recently shared a video on Facebook showing a buck attacking the plastic deer and knocking him over. She told the uh, CBC, every year there's this buck in the area that attacks him or uh, knocks him over and tries to break him. She thinks it's because bucks who are in rutting season might only pay attention to the decoration's antlers. She said her family plans to keep repairing and displaying Rudolph despite the repeated attacks. I knew a fake when I see one, an imposter when I see one. This is a crazy story from uh, Tennessee. The University of Tennessee at Chattanooga, a music professor, has proven that students do not read the syllabus for the courses they take. Kenyon Wilson uh, of UT Chattanooga hid a cash prize for his students on campus with a hint to its location in Uh, buried in the class syllabus. Uh, It was a $50 bill that he had placed in a locker. And if you, if a student would read the syllabus, it would say, this is where you can find a free 50 bucks for anybody, you know, first person to, to, to claim it. They could keep it. Sure enough, at the end of the semester, he found the $50 bill he had placed in the locker still there. He concluded that nobody read the syllabus. Uh, He posted about the results of his experiment uh, on Facebook where it went viral. Uh, Many replies found the prank amusing and encouraged him to repeat the experiment next semester or try a new trick altogether. He said that his students have been good sports about the prank and that uh, fellow faculty members (laughs) have seized on the idea they may do the same thing. At least in UT Chattanooga. Read the syllabus, students. Read the syllabus. Uh, Here's an interesting story out of uh, Northern Ireland, where a drunk man snuggled into bed naked last week. What's wrong with that, you may ask? Well, because it wasn't his bed. (laughs) It wasn't his. Homeowner got quite the shock when she arrived home to find 21-year-old Lee Haney snuggled fast asleep in her bed. According to uh, local news reporters, Mr. Haney was charged with burglary, and in court last week, his defense likened the ordeal to that of Goldilocks and the Three Bears. He said, spending the night in the wrong house completely by mistake, I don't think this meets the standard for criminality. Well, actually, yes, it does. It actually does. Uh, Mr. Haney admitted he was drunk and explained, I thought it was my sister's house, so I went to sleep, and then that woman came in and woke me. (laughs) How dare her? Uh, He said, as soon as I uh, woke up and realized my mistake, I sprinted up and uh, left the house because I realized the wrong house. The police police case is that he uh, ate some food 
um, before actually, so he stole some food. That's why he's uh, charged with burglary. Actually uh, helped himself to some food in the fridge. Uh, Mr. Haney's defense added raising a uh, smile with District Judge uh, Eamon King, who inquired, no porridge? <laughs> is out on bail with orders to stay at home and not be drunk in public. <laughs> Probably a good idea. <laughs> Two men in the central Florida town of Wachula, south of Atlanta, uh, Orlando, have been charged after disco- authorities discovered the bodies of two alligators in their wrecked SUV. The crash occurred um, crash occurred in the central Florida town of Wachula, south of Orlando. One of the men allegedly confessed to killing the six-and-a-half and eight-foot alligators during a fishing trip. When county officers arrived on the scene, the accident, they saw the two reptiles hanging out the rear window of the SUV lying on its side. The suspect who allegedly... Uh, bagged the gators, said that they were bothering him and his companion on their fishing trip. The Florida Highway Patrol and uh, Department of uh, Game, Fish and Game, Wildlife, uh, now investigating the incident. You can't just bag gators in Florida, I guess. You just can't just bag them for... And finally, a good news story. The broken news collection this morning, which is always nice for the week of Christmas. A UPS driver in Tennessee made a special delivery. Daryl Slack said he was dropping off packages east of Chattanooga when he noticed Paula Odom appearing upset in the front yard of her home. She explained that she had lost her Jack Russell Terrier. The dog had run away. So Mr. Slack promised to keep an eye out. And later on in his route, indeed, he found Pete, (laughs) Pete, the Jack Russell Terrier, UPS driver, found the dog. So he grabbed the dog and uh, he had a a companion for the rest of his route, delivering delivering all the packages and then hand delivered the wayward pooch back to its owner. (laughs) Mr. Slack said he was happy to help since... uh, any of the residents on his route, he said, would likely have done the same for him. That's actually really cool, especially this week. You know, they're very busy, those delivery drivers this week. So to take the extra time to uh, find the dog and deliver it back to its owner, uh, that's pretty cool. There you go. Uh, that is the broken news report this morning. This update in the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. The area schools, choirs, and orchestras are in the spotlight once again this Christmas. Listen to this unique collection of music presented by Instrument Care Center, the rich Chevrolet Cadillac, and Northwest Ohio Railroad Preservation. And brought to you in part by Hanneman Funeral Home, Tabler Insurance, Citizens National Bank, and the Doe Hook. It begins Christmas Eve morning at 10. On 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com, and 95.5 FM. And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news, the statistics that shape our lives. It seems like everybody is hiring these days. Nobody can find enough workers, but if you have a criminal record... You may still find it difficult to find a job, even though jobs are everywhere and people are begging for for workers. But 
those who have run into trouble with the law still struggle. And one of the reasons why, for many employers, they hesitate to hire those with a criminal history is that they're concerned that they might make other coworkers uncomfortable. But a new poll finds that even if employers are reluctant to hire someone with a criminal history, their potential coworkers don't have a problem with it. In a survey of 1,200 U.S. employees and 400 U.S. executives by the HR tech company Checker, 80% of workers, 80% said that they would support their employees, uh, would support their employers hiring people with a criminal history. That's employees speaking. 80% say that they would be okay with their employers hiring someone with a criminal history. Now, there is a caveat, while 33% would be okay with it regardless of the conviction, the type of conviction, 47% said that they would only be comfortable with it if the criminal history did not involve uh, some sort of violent crime. As for the executives, 90% admitted that certain types of offenses automatically disqualify a candidate in their minds. However, 70% said their companies do have policies that give people with a criminal record a fair chance at employment. So that is uh, that is good to hear. And I'm, I'm thinking that that number has probably gone up in the course of the past year or so, given the fact that workers are in such short supply as we have seen over the past several months. But again, maybe some hope for those uh, who are struggling to overcome some detours shall we say in the past talk a little high school hockey this morning the Findlay Trojans will hit the ice against rival Bowling Green outdoors under the lights to kick off Winterfest at 5th 3rd Field in Toledo tonight and uh, Trojans head coach Ben Patey is with us uh, on the line this morning and uh Ben, first of all, thanks for uh, taking the time this morning. How excited uh, is the team for the opportunity to uh, play outdoors uh, at Fifth Third Field in this kind of a venue uh, to uh, play one of those outdoor games that have been become so uh, popular in recent years? Well, well, thanks for having me. First of all, uh, as for the team, um, you know they're ecstatic. Uh, they, you know, anytime we get to play Bowling Green, first of all, sure, you know they're they're excited. But uh, you know, just in this kind of atmosphere, uh, it only kind of uh, it makes it more more uh, rewarding and fun to, to be a part of. So, how did all of this uh, come about? I mean, you know, kind of give us the process of uh, putting all of this together. Well, to be honest with you, we tried to do it last year, um, but with COVID and everything, that kind yeah. of shut it down. Um, so, it was on our radar definitely to, to try to be a part of it this year. And uh, the, the league made a big push to to, to one promote our, our league to the communities and whatnot. So. Uh, when the opportunity came up for for us playing Bowling Green, you know we we jumped at the opportunity. So um, from there, it's just been not too difficult administration wise. It's just been uh, a lot of fun to to get ready for it. Yeah, so. how do you prepare for this? Because it is uh, it is a different environment, and uh, there are some uh, differences in in terms. I would imagine how you approach the game and you know the the whole kind of atmosphere being outdoors versus the traditional type of of game that you would have uh, in an indoor ring. Well, as for preparing, uh, we were going to stick with what we normally do. You know, we'll watch film and to make sure we're ready mentally and physically 
Um, however, there are some other things, like you mentioned, that, that we'll need to prepare for, uh, like, <clears throat> excuse me, some, some additional undergarment uh, clothing to, to sure. stay warm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we'll, uh, obviously we've, we've instructed the, the guys to, to drink a little more fluids as, you know, the body's going to require a little more energy to, to stay warm in an environment like this. Is it, is it diff- different or, or more difficult to... Uh, to to play the game, I would imagine you know the, the lighting is different, and the the fact that you've got you know the the outdoor atmosphere, uh, things on the ice look a little bit different than they would in a in a normal game. And then there, I would imagine there is some adjustment to be made with respect to that. Right. Yeah. To be honest with you, Chris, I, I don't have much experience playing outdoors, let, let alone coaching. So <laughs> I, I think it's gonna I think it's gonna be a learning experience for all of us and. Uh, I'm assuming Bowling Green is under the same situation. So uh, I, one thing I was thinking, well, we'd like to get out there early for 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 a warm up. That way, you know, our bodies and eyes and whatnot can get adjusted and yeah. uh, be as prepared as possible. Yeah. Um, now the conditions are uh, going to be uh, probably just about perfect uh, for this because I know. Uh, a lot of times we watch those NHL, uh, you know, winter classics, and sometimes you see the snow coming down and all of that, and it's oh, it's so picturesque. But that can actually present some problems uh, in terms of you know actually playing the game because skating is different, the puck reacts different, uh, differently, and and so on. So the conditions tonight, from what I understand, couldn't be better. Right? Yeah, we've we've been kind of keeping an eye on that too, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, like you said, if it's snowing, that's just going to slow the ice down, slow the puck down, and make it not only difficult for us, but also, you know, Bowling Green and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, it looks like it's going to be a crisp 35 to 40 degrees and mm-hmm. uh, no rain. So, you know, it's, it's going to be a perfect atmosphere. Yeah, I would imagine rain would be even worse as far as that, as far as that yeah. goes. So talk a little bit about, for those who uh, are not familiar, uh, talk a little bit about uh, you know your season thus far. I know you had a, a big tournament this past weekend, the Padua tournament. Uh, talk a little bit about where your team is right now and and what you kind of uh, hope for the, uh, for the season. Well, to be, to be honest with you, we kind of hit a bit of a rough, rough patch there maybe a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, over the last, I would say, four or five games, we've kind of refined you know, our forecheck, our neutral zone forecheck, and our defensive zone coverage. And, uh, you know, mixing that with a few line combinations that we've been tinkering with. And uh, the last couple games that we've played, we feel like we've kind of taken it to the opponents. Uh, we played Padua and Shaker. Um, but, uh, you know, I, f- I feel like we're on the right path and, uh, we've been getting better, uh, better and better the last couple of games. So it's, it's, I feel like we're, we're beginning to peak as the season's progressing. So I'm really excited. And, and one thing about, uh, the, uh, the Trojans hockey schedule is, uh, you've got, uh, some some big name opponents, big time opponents uh, on your schedule. I mean, this is not a cupcake schedule. This is uh, some of the best of the best in the state. Yeah, and, and we do that on purpose. Uh, so so today we've played. I want to say nine of the top ten teams in the state. Wow. Um, and uh, you, you know, and and you know, it, it makes it difficult at times, but that's only going to make us better. And that's how we look at it. Um, our goal is to be, you know peaking, you know, late February come playoff time where it's just a one game elimination playoff game. Absolutely. And that's that's where we want to be at our best. And you know, these games, yes, we care about winning and losing, but at the same time we're just more focused on 
are we improving or not? And, you know, and, and, and based on the last few games, we certainly are. We've talked uh, about uh, this in with respect to other sports uh, in the past, notably football, uh, basketball, uh, you know, some of the, the sports that everybody's uh, familiar with, with the upcoming uh, change of conference with the uh, Trojans uh, leaving the track and joining a new conference. How does that impact the uh, the hockey team? What are your thoughts on uh, joining this uh, new conference here in the next couple of years? Uh, to be honest with you, Chris, it does not impact us at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, so we play in a league called the Northwest Hockey Conference. Gotcha. Um, and that does include, you know, schools like St. Francis and St. John's. Um, but, but as far as I'm concerned, or at least what, what I'm hearing, you know, our, our league will not be changing whatsoever. So okay. that uh, restructuring doesn't impact us whatsoever. Okay, and uh, so for the uh, game tonight, uh, again, against uh, rival Bowling Green, and I don't know if you saw this, by the way, but I was uh, reading the uh, Toledo Blades uh, write-up on uh, this, and and they were talking with uh, Bowling Green's coach, and uh, he said something to the effect of, we might have a couple of surprises uh, in store. you have anything uh, in store for the uh, Bobcats? <laughs> I, I want to say he's referring to they have. Uh, I think they're going to be revealing some new jerseys tonight. Oh, okay. Um, I, th- I thought I, maybe we got a little locker room material there. Oh no! I, I mean, <laughs> I know I, I know Connor not well, but good enough where you know I, I don't think uh, you know he's going to be malicious or anything <laughs> like that. But uh, you know, it, it certainly will be a tough game uh, for, for both teams. I mean, I, it's probably going to be a two-one, three-two score. Um, so it, it's always tough when we play these guys, and it, it'll be a battle, that's for sure. Well, and and like we were saying, I, you know, not only is it cool to be able to play outdoors at Fifth Third Field and that venue in such a, uh, a really neat atmosphere, but to play your rival on top of that has just got to be the extra uh, icing on the cake. So the puck drops at 530 uh, this evening uh, at uh, Fifth Third Field. And uh, again, uh, head coach Ben Patey, the uh, Finley Trojans hockey team, uh, skating at Fifth Third Field tonight. Ben, certainly best of luck to you and the team. We look forward to uh, uh, hearing it tonight uh, here on WFIN. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. And that will finish up our podcast for today. Thanks to all of our guests, of course, for joining us on the program. And remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage. And that, of course, is goodmornings.net. So until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. Catch you back here tomorrow.